The live opinions, descriptions, and accounts expressed on the Best of Times Radio Hour are those of the hosts and the guests of this show, and not necessarily those of Town Square Media or this station. Consult with your attorney, accountant, or other professional for final advice in making your decision. The Best of Times, live from 710 Keel Studios in Shreveport, Louisiana, celebrating age and maturity. Helping you make the best years of your life the best they can be. The best of times. Your host, Gary Caligas. Good morning, radio listeners. I'm Gary Caligas, the publisher of The Best of Times, the only magazine for mature adults in Northwest Louisiana. Thank you for tuning in to our show today and also thanking those listening via the Internet at www.710keel.com. In just a few minutes, we're going to learn about a doctor's prescription for longevity and better health. So stay tuned to the show for some very beneficial and interesting information for you or your loved ones. It is Saturday, August the 22nd, and we are broadcasting our radio show today from the studios of News Radio 710 Keeley Townscare Media Station here in Shreveport, Louisiana. However, today's radio show has been pre-recorded, so we will be unable to accept call-in questions and comments from our loyal radio listeners. Be sure to pick up the August issue of the Best of Times at one of our 528 distribution locations. This August issue features the 70th anniversary of the end of World War. Thanks for the many compliments about our magazine. We do appreciate hearing from you. If you're unable to find a copy, remember to visit our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com to view current and past issues of our magazine. Want to comment that we had a remarkable show on August the 15th, Best of Times Radio Hour, broadcasting live from the National World War II Museum in New Orleans, Louisiana. It was a distinct honor and privilege for me to be at that particular world-class museum and to be broadcasting it uh, throughout the area in, on that particular day of August the 15th, commemorating the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II. Remember to log on to our website at www.thebestoftimesnews.com for a listing of announcements made during today's radio show, as well as information about upcoming events, activities, and news that you can use. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by A Bear, Standing Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the best of times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the best of times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the best of times radio hour, proudly presented by A Bears, standing country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. I'm Gary Coligas. I do thank you for listening to our show today. Joining me on my show is Dr. Vincent Sheffalu to discuss his new educational and very inspiring book, A Doctor's Prescription for Longevity and Survival. Thank you, Dr. Sheffalu, for joining us today on the Best of Times Radio Hour. Well, I, I really appreciate your interest in my book. It's a, an incredible pleasure being interviewed by you by his day, believe me. In, in, the, in the old days, I actually thrived on getting on radio on television. Wow. Right now, it's, a little different, it's a little different situation. You know, we're just at least. I'm, I'm 26, I mean, I'm 67 years old, and if I sound senile to anyone, I'm almost there, you know. Uh, after I completed my first book, I really didn't have any intention of writing anymore, nor did I ever plan 
to uh, present it from a medical viewpoint, but I guess my profession kind of had a lot to do with that. But before I came on the air, my youngest son said, Hey, Pops, just chill out and do what you do best. Just be your usual self. So, again, thanks for having me today. So, But I will tell our listeners, his opinion and advice is based upon many years of medical, clinical experience. And uh, you, have a, uh, you have a litany. We could probably talk, it, talk about it for hours. But you do have a lot of experience, backgrounds, and involvement. And when I thought the most fascinating, you performed as, as a coroner many, many, almost 1,500, I think it said, autopsies of individuals. Is that right? Uh, yes, yes, I certainly did. And you learn physicians in medical school, physicians to be like my son, learns learn from autopsies, right? And learn yes. from yes. from a, a gross anatomy, I think it's called. So you're time and you're, time again, and you're doing it after the fact as well. I mean, it's a sad scenario. People say what's sad. You have to do autopsies and coroners, but the coroners learn information and share information about their findings. And your book shares a lot of these particular findings. And and uh, I will. I I will forewarn, like you do in your book, uh, this is some of your opinions. Uh, many of it's been substantiated by medical research and, and papers, and et cetera, but a lot of it's common sense, right? Yes, yes. A whole lot of it is. But like you said, uh, I uh, wrote my book based on all of my experiences and everything that I witnessed with my well over 1,500 autopsies. Wow. So tell us a little bit about the family and why you decided to go from physician to author. Well, <laughs> during Christmas of 1999, after 30 years of practice, I sustained a stroke directly related to my high blood pressure that was definitely brought on by my massive obesity. I mean, I weighed literally over 420 pounds at that time. And basically, it was a combination of medical neglect and overeating and overeating and overeating. You know, uh, it's hard to believe that anyone in my position who worked around nurses and other health care professionals all day long didn't have someone to have, you know, have the blood pressure checked. Uh, it had honestly been like over 15 years since I even had it checked. Wow. And, uh, just, yeah, strictly stupidity. And, uh, so the- you know, besides being a workaholic and literally eating myself to death at the same time, there's something that we call, that's called like the Superman syndrome that too many doctors uh, un- just unfortunately believe in. You know, they think... Bad things only happen to your patients and never to yourself. Wow. You're, yes. you're absolutely immune from anything bad. So, uh, and it's so like, then, physician, heal thyself and make sure that you, you know, take care of yourself so you can take care of others. Is that, is that, absolutely is that, correct. Absolutely correct. So, uh, anyway, all of this uh, uh, brought on my stroke, which left me with uh, obvious permanent memory loss. So, I was forced to retire at that time. But on the pleasant side, you know, I was fortunate to have helped in raising one of my grandsons who lived very close to my wife and I. So uh, I kept him. He was one day old and up until he started kindergarten. And believe me, when he started that time, that almost killed me. Oh. You know, and, uh, yes. and in spite of all the babies and the children that I treated, I actually overfed him when he was like two days old. And I never lived that down. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, my wife, she's a, a school teacher, been at the uh, in the parish school system for 33 years, and uh, I've been unable to uh, persuade her to retire. She basically said that if she retired, I would drive her crazy. And now, <laughs> honestly, I probably will. But anyway, uh, Mr. Borden played the biggest part of my decision to write a book. I had uh, always had intentions of writing one book about my autobiography, since I really thought it was kind of 
you know, unusual for a person with my limited academic ability to, to quit medical school, I mean, strictly from being overwhelmed, but return the next day. And uh, how I had to use, I had to overachieve and outperform to, to compensate for everything. And then, in the same book, I wanted to write about my interesting coroner cases and unusual autopsy findings over the years. You know, I even got in a spotlight once when I personally performed an autopsy on Charlie Rich. They came, you know, a lot of people can't say that, you know. So, uh, besides this, uh, you really don't wait 13 years after you retire to decide to write a book, but I did. And uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, always in the back of my mind was to leave some kind of legacy for my grandchildren besides everything else, you know. So in the future, you know, they can actually show their grandchildren, you know, what, what I did now, you know. But I, I have six grown grandchildren, I mean grown children, and uh, my oldest daughter kept nagging me to write, to write this book that I always wanted to write, but just couldn't find enough courage to do so. So after I did it, I titled this book, Achieving So Much With So Little, meaning that I accomplished a lot with practically nothing. And I have a picture of me at well over 420 pounds on one side of the cover and 140 pounds on the other side, which is where I am now. And then after I wrote this book, I definitely had no intention of, uh, of uh, <laughs> publishing it, but I was able to find, you know, a publishing company, Sleeper, that, that did. Then uh, after this book, my oldest daughter again asked me, as to why I didn't put certain things in this book? You know, you know, you can't include everything. That's right. You know, she asked me, yeah, one time I, I dove into a pool to save someone's life at, you know, my son's baseball party. You know, why wasn't this and that, you know? Well, realistically, I didn't really save his life, but it appeared that way, you know? And then my middle daughter, who's a school teacher here in the parish, and she asked us, why I didn't mention how I performed the homing maneuver on a school athlete? And again, again, this was a... a a school uh, uh, student that my wife was driving one night to a basketball game, and she began choking. And again, I didn't really do anything. It just appeared that she was, that, you know, that she needed that, but she didn't. So I told both my daughters, I said, you know, you can only include so much. And uh, in that book, I just put all my corner-related things. Okay, but then I started thinking, and they go do the boredom again. I'm edging, edging towards writing another book, and, and this time maybe including everything, you know, especially, like I said, or maybe the 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 the, the, the problems that doctors encounter and, and maybe the, the problems with our health care system today, things like that. So after I contemplated a good bit, I thought, well, how about through a doctor's eyes? That's what, uh, and then I decided to put, at the end of that, our problematic system, you know. So uh, basically I, after I finished that, it was a publishing company that came to me and said, hey, how about combining these two together and, and tell how it affected your life? Okay, well, uh, I have bipolar illness, and, uh, and it, definitely, you know, it definitely influenced my decision. And uh, naturally, millions and millions of other people in the whole of the world you know, have it. So I decided maybe I can actually tell, uh, tell exactly in true, in true life you know, what bipolar illness is and exactly uh, what goes on. And so uh, I guess after the first book, I got carried away. I got a lot braver, you know, after the first book when I casually, casually mentioned that, you know. And then uh, also in my first book, I just casually mentioned about my weight loss, you know. So uh, I decided not only to, you know, to write the third book, which included everything, uh, my fourth book, which I had been on for a while about my diet and uh, all the terrible things surrounding 
surrounding us nowadays and, and such things like that. So I named that a doctor's prescription for longevity survival. So here I am today. So it, it does combine a lot of the a lot of the references and, and, and basis of your previous books. But again, I, I will I will tell the listeners it's it's fascinating. He does add a lot of autobiography in the beginning of part of this section to tell you his his career path, his dealing, his trials and tribulation in dealing with um, organizations and agencies. Um, a lot of us have been through that, done that. Uh, but he actually explains to you how it how it influenced his life, brought brought in negative issues and and uh, stress factors. We're going to talk a little bit about stress, but that was one of the instances. So the other thing I want to tell the listeners, I've, uh, I've never had a um, uh, a doctor's book that included an enormous amount of poems throughout the book, and I find some very amusing and even we might call it weird, but. That was a little added lanyard, right, to your well, writing. I, I intentionally wrote in what I guess I call it a witty, a satire manner, because I feel like this is the only way that I can keep uh, my audience interested. You know, by including a vast number of, I guess what you call stupid sounding poems <laughs> at like different places throughout the book, I think this kind of allows me to feel at ease with myself. Uh, since, you know, I really was blessed with, an, I mean, an incredible, amusing attitude and great personality. I mean, that's that's me, you know. So, I, you know, I certainly accept that some of these poems may be somewhat inappropriate, out of place. Some might, you know, like I said, make no sense whatsoever. But I, I deliberately made them that way to go into more tension and break up like a monotonous pattern that might be formed. Well, it, that's that's true. I mean, I think you've learned from your physician skills uh, the, the the thought train of individuals will not last a long time. So you interject those particular poems and sayings, and it, and it brings you back to, wow, that, that was – we need to get, we'll get back to the course. It helped me in, in reading – and reading your book. So I know it's going to be helping others. One other aspect about his book I want to comment about is that there's so many so-called diet books throughout the, throughout the world that, um, and, and you challenge some of these particular statements. And um, so I, I take it that you're quite knowledgeable about that. Well, yes, yes. I, well, I feel like I am. Like I said, I, you know, basically, I, um, as far as my, my background, I, Received a BS degree from Southeast in, in, in zoology in three years. Uh, I received my MD degree from LSU School of Medicine in New Orleans in three years. Um, I served a one-year rotational internship at Earl K. Long Hospital in Baton Rouge. And then after that, I kind of worked in emergency rooms all over the state of Louisiana with my brother, who was also a physician. In fact, there are seven of us all together, five brothers and a sister who are physicians. Wow, and that's a started, very good lineage in physicians and medical practice. Oh yes, yes. Well, we couldn't have got we could have gotten a, a, a quite a large hospital, but we didn't <laughs> decide to do that. But anyway, uh, I served on the staff of three hospitals in the past. Uh, uh, basically, uh, one in Greensburg, one in Amy, and one here in Hammond. Uh, I practiced family medicine for 30 years. Uh, I did serve as coroner of Tassel Parish for 14 years, as you already stated, and. Uh, uh, I delivered well over 350 babies, along with treating a fair number of nursing home uh, patients throughout the years. Uh, the big thing was I served as a staff physician at the Rosenblum Mental Health Clinic in Hammond, which consisted of both mental patients and substance abuse individuals. And then later on, the two sections were split up, so I was appointed medical director of the Hammond substance abuse section. Then, 
I was also a staff physician at the public health clinic in Hammond during most of these years. So as I was in charge of running both the STD and the family planning clinic. And then I also maintained contracts with the state child protection agency in both Tanspahoe and our uh, neighboring parish, Livingston. And then, uh, in fact, I even served as acting coroner of Livingston Parish for a whole year when their coroner unexpectedly resigned. And so, and so, and another big thing is like, I served for many years as the medical director of both the Hammond City Jail and the Parish Jail in Amy. Uh, and I, I, I was in charge of providing medical care to the inmates. So you had the experience of, of witnessing and treating patients of all types of disciplines, the young, the old, all different shapes, sizes, et cetera, so, and, and probably diagnosis and treatments, et cetera. So, wow, what a, what a remarkable clinical experience and, and basis. And so uh, I, I take it those particular credentials help you in, in determining uh, how that – how the diet and what people's eat and do and their other uh, styles of life, how it affects them, right? Yes, you put, you put all the histories together and you put all my observations and especially what I personally observed during autopsies. And, uh, and then you, uh, you come to a conclusion. And that's, uh, that's what I basically did throughout the years. We'll, we'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Abers, Tenant Country of Streetport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, tenant country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is a special guest, is Dr. Vincent Sheffaloo, who is discussing his new educational inspiring book, A Doctor's Prescription for Longevity and survival. Thank you, Dr. Sheffield, for joining us today here on the Best of Times Radio Hour. I'm really pleased to be here. I really am. So we're going to continue the discussion. Wow, it's, it's fascinating. We have a, a number of segments to go here, but you let's start. In the start of your book, you talk about a, the all-important mental factor. What, what do you mean by that? The state of mind is by far the most important issue in longevity. You know, without... Without getting your emotions completely under control, following my other recommendations would be absolutely futile. I mean, that, you know, in other words, your mental condition will cause more detrimental problems than anything else known. So the, the mental focus is, I want to lose weight, I want to have live, live a healthier lifestyle, saying that to yourself and mentally focusing is, is critical? Well, no, what I, what I mean is the mental, the mental condition, such as anxiety, Depression, oh, okay. guilt, remorse, all these can be disastrous. I mean, you know, it's another thing to worry about your diet, but the, what I'm talking about, you have to get everything else under control first. Uh, not only can a person experience acute problems such as a stroke, a heart attack, or blood clot to the extremities from being so freaked out all the time, but there can be long-term consequences of nervous conditions such as, you know, vascular changes in the brain, congestive heart failure, and kidney disease. Okay, and then hypertension, both intermittent and persistent, is common in stressed out individuals. I mean, we know that for a fact. You know, this inevitably can cause your blood vessels to thicken and the lumen to decrease in size over a period of years. You know, you know, we heard 
a person can literally die of a broken heart. Uh-huh. You know, right. where you would be so nervous, so depressed, so stressed out that one of your coronary arteries, and of course these are the main blood vessels to the heart, would all of a sudden just constrict, either go into spasms or pop, and therefore you know deprive your heart of oxygenated blood. You can realistically sustain permanent damage to the muscle, uh, the heart muscle from uh, from being freaked out all the time. You know, this is a well-known phenomenon. And that's why I call anxiety and depression one of the silent killers. And, you know, we we all heard of people who have had a temper tantrum or panic attack or so-called what, explosion when they get so upset right. and, and, and therefore develop an acute problem right then. You know, they'll, they'll develop some kind of heart attack or, uh, or a stroke, I mean, right then. Then, on the other side, we know that there are other consequences of, uh, of nervous disorders, such as suicide, you know, uh, self-inflicted injuries, such as hanging, gunshot wounds. You know, everybody says it can't happen to them. But, you know, let me tell you, everyone has its limits, and anyone can crack up under the right set of circumstances. It can so, be on the extreme side of anxiety and stress, but it also could be on depression, remorse, and, and being apathetic so much and not talking and bore, being bored, that's right? Correct. That's correct. Being bored and, of course, holding things in all the time, you know, and, and not not getting help, which I'll explain later. Uh, what you should do in life is, you know, you need to be satisfied, happy, feel, uh, you know, content, uh, having a hobby, uh, doing everything, doing anything that brings on enjoyment. Anything, you know. I mean, I explained in my book how high-pressure jobs cause elevated stress, and that these people just they, they die at young ages. And, you know, and basically, I was talking about like you know, bank executives, truck drivers, things like this. I mean, they 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 actually die at relative young ages. And the re- and one some of the reason is because of stress. Stressed out all the time, worried about meeting uh, a schedule. You know, on and on and on. You just the human body can only take so much. And you need to do what you can to alleviate a lot of the pressure. So, so what do you what do you tell? What is your prescription for our individuals out there who might have that particular syndrome or know somebody that has that particular syndrome? Well, like I said, get a hobby. Uh, if, if you're unhappy with your job, change jobs. Do anything that you can, you know, that that'll bring on some relief. And, and the basic, the the main thing is realize. You're not the only person out there. You're not the only person with depression or bipolar illness or chronic anxiety. So get get some professional help, psychologist, psychiatrist, social worker. Uh, uh, try to do what you can to alleviate it by getting professional help. If you need. Uh, I thought your, your comment in the book that um, you mentioned that socializing too much can possibly result in serious consequences. Why is this? Well, if, if you socialize too much, let's put it like this. If you, if you socialize a lot, you get, you, you get to know people. But like I'll explain later on, there are a lot of diseases going around. And when a person is promiscuous and they have a lot of interaction with people, you know, this, this can present a problem in a way. Uh, when you meet people, you, you, you won't have a tendency to have sexual relations with them. And I'll explain later, this can be disastrous. So, it's, so, you know, boredom and being isolated is a problem. But on the other hand, socializing too much and, and being subjected to all other uh, the things on the outside can also be deleterious. And I think you mentioned in both also those, those other socializing 
individuals may influence you into the bad ways of doing things from from alcohol addiction to drug addictions uh, uh, continuing smoking you wanted to switch but the new socially acceptable parts of your your friends now on the social network continue to do that right right the social pressure the drugs and alcohol you know uh, a lot of people can't avoid that and and so it, it, it gets to be a problem on the other. I mean that's a big problem today you know that and then after uh, after it's done then you 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 know regret you never would have done anything about it but that's absolutely absolutely correct uh, we're covering a lot of topics but I thought another interesting one that you discussed you you emphasize that there are certain hereditary factors relating to longevity and health issues so discuss that with us a little bit okay well first of all uh, you can obtain a genetic study to determine whether any predisposing factors are present in your body I mean in some cases uh, prophylactic measures may be extremely rewarding uh, sometimes future problems may be as they say on the cause now you might have been dealt with out hand to begin with but uh, there are some, some things such as primary hypertension, hyperlipidemia, which is elevated blood cholesterol, thyroid disease, heart disease, and even you know autoimmune disorders that uh, that can be predetermined. Even even mental problems sometimes can be predetermined. Then there are congenital anomalies that run in families, such as a very aneurysm, which is like a dilated blood vessel located at the base of the brain that commonly causes no symptoms but can eventually rupture. And uh, then there's atrial, fibril uh, atrial septal defect, which is a hole between the two chambers of the heart, which uh, is another problem that can be congenitally acquired. And finding out beforehand uh, can make a big difference. The big example is obesity. I mean, obesity definitely runs in families. And they would have a tremendously increased propensity to become uh, overweight. And in that case, the genetic study uh, may actually turn out to be uh, uh, real, well, real well because you can take the proper precautionary measures and prevent some of the complications. Uh, you know, that, that's one medical item. Of, of, I'm, I'm trying to think, did my medical doctors ever ask that? Did, did your parents or grandparents or siblings, were, were they obese or do they have an, an issue that um, I don't think that's ever been asked to be? Maybe I. Yes. That is, you know, I never thought of that. And I'm thinking of some of my friends who are a little obese now that they did have brothers and sisters and their parents and I knew their grandparents. They're, they're all like that. And that, that particular, probably hereditary issue that's causing that, possibly causing that obesity or that, content, that tendency. Absolutely. Uh, you know, obesity is. Somewhat genetic. In fact, most of the time, like I said, most of the time there are obese people in the family, and uh, in that case, you know, do, uh, watching what you eat earlier could, could ward off a lot of potential problems. I mean, oh. earlier awareness and treatment can can definitely be a lifesaver, in, in, especially in terms of obesity. So, in your in your book, and uh, in, in several places, you list the four major disasters in regard to longevity of life. So what are those? Absolutely. Stress is by far, as I just stated, the most important. Uh, I mean, the emotional state can single-handedly destroy a person. Then obesity and tobacco smoke are the next, and then comes inactivity. That's my four. Inactivity. So that means 
somebody doesn't need to sit down um, eight hours a day at, at their office. They need to get up, right? That is absolutely correct. Just being active in itself can, uh, can cause a lot of benefit, not to mention the development of weight loss. Okay, now, one thing I thought was very interesting in your book that you state, you stated that obesity is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. However, what I want to ask you as a doctor and as a former coroner, do you list obesity as one of the causes of death on the death certificate? No, no, you don't mention uh, You don't mention it. You know, you, you can mention that as another finding, but most people don't put obesity in itself. Uh, more than more than two thirds of our citizens are considered overweight today. What? And one third. Two, two thirds. Third. That's that's correct. Wow. And uh, one third of adults are obese. I mean that's a lot. And uh, so the most detrimental problem that we we see uh, is the development of type two diabetes. So on the death certificate, you know they they might have diabetes from it. And you mentioned like uh, the blood sugar went up, or they had another another problem from diabetes. And then, of course, uh, I mean, there are a lot of problems associated with diabetes. And type 2 diabetics, uh, I mean, type 2 diabetes does usually originate from, you know, from overweight, from being overweight. Then uh, there are, uh, when, when you are obese, plaques develop in your arteries. And this can result in massive damage and obviously cause blood clots such as heart attacks, strokes, and serious vascular problems with extremities. So, you know, they may have sustained one of these, and the doctor may put one of these, you know, on the death certificate as a cause of death. But basically, the online problem was obesity. And then they, they uh, of course, you know, you can't mention, uh, uh, well, I guess you can't away. Obese uh, ob- eventual, uh, uh, individuals do suffer more depression. I mean, obviously, and they are also depressed over the ability, uh, the inability to lose weight. They become more withdrawn. And so not only is there a drastic increase in cancers physically, as we know, in diabetics, but the mental problems, they may uh, attempt suicide and maybe the cause of death might be a hanging or, you know, a drug overdose or something like that. But they have, they also get uh, fatty infiltrations, infiltrations of the liver, pancreas, and kidneys. And this can lead to premature organ damage and failure, especially, you know, kidneys. And so maybe the kidneys, you know, were responsible for for the problem. But obesity would only be mentioned as a secondary cause. Wow. You know, I never thought of that until you brought it up in your book. I've, I've never heard that that mention that it's a leading cause, maybe uh, indirectly, directly, but it cause the other problems in your in your body system and your your shortness of life so you know wow one other aspect you mentioned in your book and i've heard people say this we are what we eat so that definitely has merit correct it, it, yeah, we really are i mean overeating leads to obesity with all of its horrendous consequences yet on the other side healthy eating with with the constraints of food wards off all kind of medical problems uh besides besides as I said, helping to prevent a, conglom- a conglomerate of psychiatric complaints. Uh, being upset over one-tenth weight is the norm. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's, that's the way it is. And physically, years of taking in high-protein foods will result in less fat buildup. And on the other hand, eating gobs of sugar and fat will just speed up the development 
of the aging process and cause type 2, cause type 2 diabetes, as I stated. So basically, to a limited degree, we can control our own destiny because our body structure is directly dependent on what we take in. Wow, what a, what, a, what a great suggestion. You have many suggestions, and I also call it many prescriptions that you advocate to the reader and to, to, to implement. And one of them was quite striking because I've had a lot of individuals tell me differently about this, including physicians. You are strongly opposed to using salt in any foods, as you state, that even a healthy individual can encounter problems from its use. Comment about oh, that, Dr. Absolutely. Many people today are using gobs of salt everything, you know, and this is causing too many problems. You know, first of all, no individual with any pre-existing medical condition or history of hypertension should ever use salt. And morbidly overweight individuals must also restrict their use. Now, table salt, which is sodium chloride, raises blood pressure in perfectly normal individuals. In fact, within minutes after consuming salt, there's a noticeable rise in blood pressure. So think of what it can do in people already diagnosed with hypertension or obesity. I mean, anytime, anytime a person is diagnosed with hypertension, he or she must always be advised to avoid salt and salty foods. And besides the acute changes in blood pressure, salt commonly causes severe fluid retention that we know for a fact over a period of years can overload the body. And in some individuals, especially with advancing age, can bring on congestive heart failure. You know, it's kind of like a hose pipe. You know, you, uh, you keep the pressure high enough for long, longer periods of time, eventually it's going to burst. You know, so in real life, people already diagnosed with hypertension or heart failure or severe atherosclerosis can, can absolutely sustain a stroke from eating salt. You know, it's just no good for the body. And, and on the other hand, potassium chloride, of which no salt is an example, can be used safely as a substitute. We'll be right back with more information, but now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, proudly presented by Abers, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep dealer. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. Now, back to the Best of Times with your host, Gary Coligas. Welcome back to our show, the Best of Times Radio Hour, proudly presented by A-Bears, Town and Country of Shreveport, your Dodge Chrysler Ram and Jeep dealer. Joining me on my show today is Dr. Vincent Sheffalu to discuss his new educational and inspiring book, A Doctor's Prescription for Longevity and Survival. So, Doc, boy, this has been quite educational for me, and I know for all my radio listeners, I do encourage people to go out there to, to pick up this book. It's available in many sources, uh, including, I believe, on Amazon.com, but you'll be able to pick uh, to go to my website, thebestoftimesnews.com, to order that uh, particular book. It is fascinating. We're covering various topics and suggestions in the doctor's prescription to help you in longevity and, and a survival and a better, healthy life. So in continuing, we, you made, we talked about it before, and I thought this was a great one. You said obesity, obesity well, is, is a sitting disease, meaning less activity, increased medical problems. Absolutely. A morbidly obese individual who spends most of the time eating develops the tendency to become a couch potato, sitting down all the time, doing less and less activity, 
and this produces a vicious cycle that inevitably leads to terrible symptoms with eventual, uh, eventual medical consequences, such as blood clots to the brain, heart, and extremity. I mean, it's a, it's a never-ending losing proposition. The, fir- the first thing that person must do is break the cycle before it's, you know, before it's too late and face the issue. Either force yourself to do more activity, force yourself to eat, eat less food, and find something to do, or just continue to, deter- to deteriorate physically and mentally. Uh, total inactivity is a death, is a death wish. And uh, what makes everything so bad is that we are in a world of convenience. Cell phones, <laughs> computers, electronic games, more sophisticated TVs. I mean, all types of physical devices. I mean, just look around us. Just look around us. We, uh, we actually encourage citizens to become sedentary by drawing people of all ages into this ruckus. It's the life of no return. And, and the, the children, the, the children and the grandchildren, they, they seem like they're not as active as they were back in the days when I was growing up in the, in the 50s and 60s where you, you exercise at school. You, you, had a, you had an hour of activity. Uh, uh, I mean, you did a lot of moving around, getting up. But now it's the, what I see is a lot, lot, lot less activity in the children of today. Yes. Well, at school they do a lot of physical activity. I mean... And in fact, what used to be 45-minute, you know, activity sessions, they are like 10, you know, at the most. So, you know, that's a problem. And then, like I said, do you blame them? I mean, they got all these devices right around them. Why go out and exercise when you can have fun on the computer? Wow. Um, one, you, we're, going, we're talking a little bit more about diet and obesity and try, trying to structure your diet plan. One, uh, one of the comments you had in, in your book, which I thought was a, a little interesting, because yours truly here does enjoy pork. You advise eliminating all pork products. Wow. I can't live without sometimes not having that bacon. or I, don't, I eliminate sausage, but occasionally I have pork. Uh, tenderloin. So explain that position to us. Okay, well, no matter what meat you choose, I explain in my book that prior to cooking them, all visible fat in the skin should be removed. And I recommend cooking them in the cheapest electric broth you can find or even the George Foreman grill. If you ever use these, you will have obviously noticed an incredible amount of oil that is produced, especially with beef, veal, and pork. Especially pork. Uh, Think about how much of this disgustingly looking grease had you eaten it. <laughs> had you eaten it, could have easily been clogging up your arteries. I mean, Whoa. can you imagine how much fat could be eliminated by using this device over several months or over many years? You know? Now, the reason I strongly advise eliminate pork is due to the incredible amount of fat that it contains compared to other meat, and they can, uh, I mean, absolutely can, uh, contribute to elevated lipids and speed up the atherosclerotic process much faster than any other meat. And not only is it loaded with cholesterol, but the amount of salt content is incredibly higher than other meats. I mean, any doctor will tell you that patients with hypertension and or lipidemia, the elevated uh, cholesterol, do much better without pork products. And again, during my autopsies, I constantly observe that individuals who consume massive amounts of pork tend to have more coronary artery disease, you know. But if you must have pork, definitely limit the consumption as much as possible and attempt to choose like the lean cuts, like the tenderloin, loin chops, 
and the sirloin. And then you brought a good point in cook it up, cook it in a particular fashion where it burns off as much of the fat as it can, right? Absolutely. Like I said, it's disgusting to see the amount of uh, of fat that it contained, you know. And of course, if you must have your bacon for breakfast, (laughs) maybe you can switch to turkey bacon. You know, let me tell you, pork bacon is by far the worst pork product. Whoa. By far. Okay, so we need to go much. My wife does. I will, I will comment that she does uh, buy and we do serve uh, turkey bacon, Angela. It, it, it's a little bit different, but hey, it's okay. It's, it's probably, but I don't get it every day. That's what they eat in moderation. I only get two slices, and that's it. Uh, no more. That's all she cooks. Uh, in your diet, in your diet plan, Doc, I thought this was another interesting finding. I know, I know, you have some radical, you might say, unusual prescriptions, but they all have a rationale. You suggest for all for us as the common layperson here to consume a thousand calories per day, rather than, if I recall, the normal is two thousand a day. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Well. Uh, okay, as we know, okay, there are five basic food groups. I mean, fruits, vegetables, grains, proteins, and dairy products. And all of these are necessary ingredients to remain healthy. Well, I recommend taking in 1,000 calories per day, but I also recommend eating all the vegetables that you so desire. So all of, this, all of these vegetables are going to more than compensate for the other 1,000 calories. You know, not only are vegetables healthy and good filler-uppers, but their caloric value is what I consider insignificant. You know, let me tell you, most people couldn't eat 200 calories of vegetables at one sitting. I mean, try <laughs> You really couldn't. No. So on that basis, you can have all the vegetables you want on my, on my diet plan. You can have all the broccoli in the world, right? It is, it, all the broccoli, as long as you don't add butter to it or all things like that. You know? Now, but now, now, like I said, no butter, no oils. No, 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 no regular salad dressings. They can be eaten raw, cooked, canned, steamed, any way, you know, and even salt added, uh, Tony Satchery's Zatarans, anything else can be added that, you know, to your taste. But, uh, I mean, look, and look at all the, the, uh, the packs of, uh, stir fried vegetables that they have, you know. And I also suggest that you obtain a very small, inexpensive, uh, calorie count book and a small food scale. Okay, now, in my book, I mentioned many low-calorie preparations that I personally concocted. You did? And, yes, and, and I explained how you can use spices such as cinnamon, nutmeg, ginger, and imitation vanilla extract, and, uh, you know, to increase the taste. Now, fruits, on the other hand, in my diet, although they are nutritious and usually low in calories, they must be included in the 1,000 calorie figure that, that I, that I, you know, I projected, because uh, in real life, many fruits are high, high in calories than others, and some contain a larger, large amounts of the natural sugars, and that can quickly add up. Oh, okay, yes. A lot of, a lot of those fruits have that that sugar content, but is that in that good sugar, or in most instances? Well, or sugar, it's, it's, sugar. It's good, it's considered good sugar, okay, but the good but the good sugars add up. You know, you have ten good calories now and ten good calories later and later on, it adds up you know real quickly. So you just the na- the natural sugars in them 
I mean, they're, they're okay. But like I said, you have to add those calories into my 1,000 1, figure. And then I also give my rendition of a healthier smoother. You know, smoothie, because the smoothie that we buy at the store, that, that, that's absolutely disgrace. And then I have my no-calorie iced coffee, you know. Now, I recommend avoiding all pastries, Danish donuts, cakes, and cannolis. <laughs> cannolis? Uh-oh, wait a second. Now. That's a tough oh, one. Cannolis is a disaster. <laughs> Buttered popcorn, popping oil. I mean, ice cream products, milkshakes, chocolate candy, cookies, potato chips. I mean, Restaurant foods are cooked in oil, so you got to be careful there. Now, the whip dressings, mayonnaise, that, that's that's a disaster. I mean, we know that already. And then, you know, if you use regular butter, use a, a low-calorie. Uh, cheese products, you know, use low-fat uh, low ones. Now, pizzas are disastrous. Like I mentioned, pork products are terrible. And then uh, any, any meat including chicken or fish, if it's floured or battered and fried, they're disastrous. You know, and then the sugared soft drinks, I always recommend to pre-sweeten. Uh, any beverage, even coffee or tea, that's sweetened with sugar must be, you know, you must restrict that. You know, and then pre-sweetened breakfast cereal that are killing kids. Waffles and pancakes fried and all. Loaded with syrups and butter. <laughs> Starches such as spaghetti, white rice, potatoes, white bread. You know, you need to avoid them as much as possible. And, you know, even though it's a little different, uh, I mean, uh, a little different completely, definitely no alcohol. You know, I mean, people use alcohol for everything nowadays. A little here, a little there. That can be disastrous. You know, so, I, you know, I give in my book a lot of things you can do to substitute a lot of the products. And, uh, Therefore, you should be able to come, become very healthy. And on my diet plan, I don't recommend any sturgeon. We'll be right back with more information. But now a word from our sponsors and advertisers who make this radio show possible. You're listening to the Best of Times Radio Hour here on News Radio 710 Keel, probably presented by Abers, Southern Country of Shreveport, your Dodge, Chrysler, Ram, and Jeep. Gary's got more of the Best of Times coming for you on 710 Keel. May God bless you and your family. God bless America. Have a great day and a great weekend. Again, thank you for listening to our show today. I'm Gary Caligas, wishing you and yours the best of times both today and every day. Have a great day. You've been listening to the best of times on 710 Keel. Join us again next Saturday at 9 for the best of times. This is News Radio 710 Keel, K E E L, Shreveport Mosier.